Assalamu alaikum, peace be with you. You're listening to Cup of Parenting podcast and I'm your host Aisha, a pediatric speech and language therapist, mom of seven and parenting coach here in the UK. This week we're talking about experiences of disability. In particular, we're talking to families who may have a child with a disability and how that impacts on them and their family life. Now, in case you didn't know, 8% of children are actually categorized as having a disability here in the UK, according to the government's family resources survey from 2020. So with me today, I have Rosita. Rosita is a mom of four, two boys and two girls, mashallah, and her third child, Azad, has a diagnosis of cerebral palsy. Rosita, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. (laughs) Thank you for being here. So, Rosita, if we could just start by taking you back to sort of, I guess, before your son was born, were you aware that you were going to have a child, you know, with cerebral palsy? At what point did you find out? Yeah, definitely. We don't know anything uh, about his diagnosis. I have two child, my first and second, they are born normal. And when my third come came in and he was born normal, I have no complication during pregnancy. There's nothing indication that be having a disabled child. So the birth was normal. Everything was normal. I haven't got any any uh, sickness whatsoever during pregnancy, everything was normal and uh, during birth was normal. And he uh, sort of during the birth for the first four months, three months, I can say he's he's a healthy boy and we went for checkup and there's nothing unusual about, about him. He loves, he eats just as normal as uh, any other children. But then his milestone is not as as normal. He did not like go into the normal like crawling and things like that, like the, any other children. So by by the time of seven months, six months, seven months, I became worried. Why hasn't he has not been like he can't like sit, he can't crawl, he can't do things that normal babies do. And, but other than that, his, his, his smile, he can, uh, I mean, baby talk, everything else is normal apart from, from that uh, milestone. Mm. So I was worried and I think it's time for me to, well, inquire what is wrong with him. And that is when I, I was like told that my son has a cerebral palsy or diagnosed with cerebral palsy. That is when he was like seven months old. Okay, yeah. so that's subhanAllah, that, that's really interesting to know. So because sometimes, depending on the disability, they might pick it up in a scan and they might tell the families, obviously, yeah. and at that point, they have to make a decision. Whereas with you, you didn't find out till, and as you said, he had all his normal mm. developmental milestones, yeah. you didn't find out till he was about seven months. Yeah. So in terms of getting the diagnosis itself, Rosita, mm-hmm. how easy was that? Did you go to the GP? Was it the health visitor you spoke mm-hmm. to? Yeah, because this happened like back in Malaysia. Oh, okay. Yeah, back in Malaysia. So when he was seven months old, when he was diagnosed, I was lost. I can't even, I can't even like say cerebral palsy. I have to ask mm-hmm. the doctor, okay, can you like um, 
jot down or spell it out for me so that I can I know what it is and I know what is cerebral palsy in the first place. And over back in Malaysia, we have no support system at all. And I was lost. I don't know where to go, what to do, what's next to do, what treatment should I take. I'm lost. I'm totally lost. And I was just um, told to to go to some like pediatrician that specialized pediatricians, uh, neuros uh, specialists. And there they asked me to sort of like register with the welfare um, department. But other than that, there isn't any support for, for us back in Malaysia. So we sort of like find our own resources, where where to go after that. And we just like find what actually is available. But sadly in Malaysia, there isn't any much that is available. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's for the first like first uh, year of his life. Yeah. In uh, Malaysia, we haven't got any support. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. for any of our listeners who aren't familiar, Rosita, with the diagnosis of cerebral palsy, can you just tell yeah. us a little bit about what does that mean for the child? What is it that, you know, he might not be able to do compared to, say, a typically developing child? Yeah, I mean, uh, cerebral palsy is like, it's a depletion of oxygen. It can cause by any anything, accident or during childbirth. And anything that can cause oxygen uh, depletion towards the child during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But in my case, after that, when he was diagnosed, I make all the tests that can relate of his disability. Mm-hmm. Where is, is it genes? Is it inheritance? Or is it whatever test that we can find? Yeah. It's all normal until yeah. we sort of like insist to, to get a MRI for, for him. And that's where we found out that even even that in Malaysia they, they say there's nothing wrong with the with the brain yeah. until we came here with the report and with the the images that the people over here found that there's some white matter in his brain that is not quite developed. So oh, okay, so that yeah. was in the when you say here, you mean in the UK? You came in to UK, the United yeah. Kingdom. Okay, yeah. So. Because of that, now, what mm-hmm. is it that he... So what are the challenges that you're presented with on a day-to-day basis, Rosita? Because your son, he mm-hmm. uses a wheelchair as well. Yeah. So there's some physical sort of challenges that you have. What else is it that... Yeah, I mean, yeah, from from the, the day that he's been diagnosed, he, he can't walk since then. So, I mean, when he's, he's, he's small toddler I can like carry him there's no mm. problem but but now it's a bit too hard for yeah. me now uh, how old is he now Rosita he's he's uh, 19 now how much are less yeah yes so from from the beginning he, he can't walk um so he's on wheelchair and everything but as as time goes he can like feed himself mm-hmm. but other than that he's he's sort of like he needs someone to be around him uh, 24 hours. Yeah, like, like, so yeah, it, it, it's, it's really like, it's hard work. Yes. Uh, it's really hard work because like before I moved to the current house I'm living now, okay. uh, we haven't got any adaptation to the house previously we, we lived. So it's all like I have to carry him from bed to the chair, to the toilet and uh it's really hard work until he was like just like three years back when we moved here. 
Okay, so in so, terms of um, his caring, are you are you his main carer, Rosita? Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay, and you've just mentioned that you would need the house to be adapted, which is obviously yes. quite quite a big thing that needs to be done yeah the thing that I wanted to pick up on was I didn't know this until I did a bit of research that typically mm-hmm. um about 583 pound a month extra is required typically for people who have a child with a disability in terms of extra expenses on top of everything else yes. and statistically this can go all the way up to a thousand pound now this is not even something that I thought of did you find that you had to spend extra in terms of financial resources Rosita to adapt for your son's needs yeah definitely because he needs like special equipments special equipments are not not cheap yeah they are all expensive and now we can't like buy them then so we have to sort of like top up every now and then to get like one special equipment for him sometimes we do get fundings Yeah. But other than that, yeah, we have to, We sometimes we need some extra physio, things like that. I mean, although that he has had that in school, but we always like need some extra bit for, for him. Yeah. Yeah. And- it's always like, yeah, financially it's really, really tight. Yeah. Oh, subhanAllah. So yeah. in terms of the support system, I know you mentioned when you were back home in Malaysia, there yeah. wasn't really that much in terms of, what you knew and mm-hmm. support that you could easily go to. So now at the moment you're living in the UK and you've, you've yeah. been here for a while. What yeah. is the support system like here? Is it better? Is it? Can it still be improved? Do you have access to special services that you can use for him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, comparing to uh, Malaysia, uh, Malaysia has like I, I probably uh, still like 20 years back mm-hmm. as what we have here in in UK which I'm very grateful of first first of all uh, is education mm-hmm. so when I came here I I further my study and and I I found out that I can't find find it in Malaysia mm-hmm. uh, in Malaysia they only have sort of like care sort of like care center okay not education but over here in whatever state your child is education is first and they will they will make you like the child in whatever means if they can't talk they they have devices if they can't use hand they can use eyes whatever things that they can use so that the child could have uh education yes. so that is the first thing that that the service that that i mean the opportunity that we get here that is um very very beneficial for for my son and that is on education and also on health they have a very like conducive like system that that help from from the beginning and education health and also like a social service so they are all like three in one so it's really like really helpful yeah that's good so you get like a, a whole package of support from different areas yes. and have you just mentioned that in terms mm-hmm. of the schools as the most important thing for any human is mm-hmm. to be able to communicate and that's something yes. that the schools emphasize on in here. So how long does he stay in the school system for Rosita? Is it the same age as any other child? Is it a specialist school? How do you transport him to the school? Do you take him yourself? Yeah, the, the school that my son goes is, is an independent school. Mm-hmm. 
So it's not a, a mainstream and it's not like specialist school supported by government, but it's an independent school, but it's been funded by the council. Okay. So Azhat has been in that school since he was four years old until just recently. So it's like almost um, 15 years. Mm. Yeah, 15 years. So he's been in that school since he was four years old. And it was quite emotional because he's been there all his life. Mm. And I, I I can't thank enough the school for giving the support, the commitment. The staff are so like dedicated with the things that they are doing. So I'm I'm really I I can't say. Uh, oh, that's amazing! Yeah. It's amazing <laughs> to know that these people have had obviously such a profound impact on you and your family. Yeah. Um, yeah. To support him, that's amazing to know that there's people out there who are supporting these children who obviously clearly need as a society. Yeah. Um, that's really amazing. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you is yourself mm-hmm. personally, Rosita, it's obviously been quite a long journey for you. How do you feel it's impacted on you and your family? Do you feel like you've had to make some pretty major changes? How has that been for you? Um, when when we know that we have a special need child, mm-hmm. the, the only thing we want, we have in mind is to move forward to give him best best thing that we could ever find. Yeah. So that's why we decided to sort of like to stay here. We thought that he could get the best of his life over here. Mm-hmm. And we want him to be included in the community. We want him to be as normal, although we know that he's, he can't be normal. But we try to, to make him feel because he is just as normal children he has feeling he has Mm. things that he wants the only thing that he's 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 disabled he can't walk but other than that he's just like any other normal children of course so we want we want him to to get the best of his life to have friends to have to have things that he wants to do and for us although it's hard work although it's we feel like intimidating it's fear it's exhaustion but at the end of the day the exhaustion, the the tightness is all with if if you can make him happy. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's an absolutely amazing and incredible job that you're doing. It's hard enough, you know, being a mom to children <laughs> who don't have a disability and you're always on your feet and it's always never ending, isn't it? The the tiredness and the Yeah, yeah. Out. I mean, he, he's just like 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 I want to say a, a baby yeah I mean yeah. I can say that because he, he can't yes. uh, manage by himself he can't go to the toilet by himself everything personal care uh, dressing up uh, mm-hmm. everything we, we got to do it for him yeah so the only fear that I have now is just if I die who's gonna take take care of him yeah that's the only fear that I have because, <laughs> because ultimately you're his mom and you know yeah. you've been doing it the way yeah a mom doesn't yeah. care for a child which yeah I, ju- I just feel that yeah. of course any mother will say that of course uh, the mother will will do best I mean the best that any other people can do right I mean although we have the service we have the carers there I have carers at the minute come over to my house yeah. like every morning and every evening we still feel that uh, we can do better than that something like that yeah 
Oh, subhanAllah. That's yeah. just typical of mums, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. want to do yeah. more above and beyond. The other thing I wanted to pick up on, uh, Rosita, was that I know I see you in the mosque quite a lot and I know you go out and about and have family days out. How easy is it for you taking mm-hmm. him where you want to go in terms of access arrangements? And do you do you ever face any prejudice or have any difficulty getting out and about? We do have some difficulties uh, in accessibility, like if we go holidays, especially, it's hard for us to find accommodation with accessibility. So if there is there, it's a bit uh, expensive. Mm -hmm. So it's always the money will be more than the normal one. Oh, um, okay. So you have to actually yeah. spend extra to. Yes, it's always you need to, nice. to to find extra. If I were to go to hotel, I will need to find a disability room that has a, like a wet room at the same time, and oh. we have to bring all his equipment, like a toilet seat and things like that. Oh, so, okay. yeah, and and also if we were to go any um places that is around around the area, we need to know beforehand that if the the place is accessible or not. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is like I, I, me as a mother, I want him to be to be part of the community and also like not just like the community that we have here, but also like my small community, like the Malaysian community. Yes. So we have sort of like gathering. Usually we have gatherings. Sometimes people invite us to the house, but it's always not possible for for my son and and me because it's not accessible. So he's always been left out. He's always been left out. But sometimes to this extent, I want him to be part of that community. So we have to work a bit harder. Sometimes we have to go like up the stairs. We have to carry him and things like that. So, yeah, but now it's just impossible. It's just too big for us to carry him. Yeah, so sure. if, if that's the case, so he'll be left out. So, oh. yeah. And I'm, I'm so relieved that we have the new mosque and I always whenever that we have meeting with the uh, contractors the first thing I will ask is is the mosque uh, is the mosque will have a lift or not so uh, they say yes yes they will have (laughs) lift so I was so relieved because or else he'll be left out again because um at the moment like the mosque that we have now uh, he is it is accessible but sometimes if too many people it's quite hard for for him Mm -hmm. to be with his Mm -hmm. so yeah So I think as a society in general, we should be probably doing a lot more and thinking about these things when we invite families and sort of thinking about how we can be more inclusive of children who might not be able to easily access whatever event it is, isn't it? From what you're saying, which is something which is definitely worth exploring further and thinking about. What advice would you then give Rosita if there's any Mm -hmm. mom out there listening or any families listening who are maybe not as advanced stages you are because your son's you know entering adulthood now maybe they've got a younger child or a small baby or they have children in their family who do have a disability and it might not be the same as what your son has but what advice would you give to that mom or that family I would say that just live life as it is make I mean we want not just make the that our child happy we want us to be happy as well not to be frustrated not to be mourn with the testing that Allah has given us we we just move move forward we just get things uh, moving and uh, get all the opportunity that we have 
make our life better and just be happy and enjoy life. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're, you're such a smiley person. I don't think I've ever seen you without a smile on your face. And I, and I pray God always uh, keeps a smile on your face and blesses you and your whole family and your son especially as well. And thank you so much for agreeing to come onto the show today. It's been absolutely fantastic. And I have learned so much myself. I'm sure other mm-hmm. people out there will have learned valuable lessons from listening to you, Razita. Jazakallahu okay. khairan to everyone for listening. Assalamu yeah. alaikum. Thank you very much. Wa barakatuhu.